uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, but, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. I'm yeah, no, it was mate. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. <laughs> Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. This is episode 42. We're nearly there, nearly at the 52 mark. And if you if you can count, um, <laughs> that means that we've done a year's worth of podcasts every single Wednesday. If you've been here from the start, thank you so much. If you're only here today, it's your first time here. Basically, and I say this every couple of weeks, but we get an artist or someone on from the music industry to just talk about their life, their music, and what's happening. Today, Cody Stebbings. Now, people will know him from Down For Tomorrow. They are a Sydney uh, pop-punk band. Uh, they're sort of on hiatus at the moment, but uh, he was the front man of that band. And now, as of this week, a brand new project is dropping from Cody. It's called Chaos Emerald, and it is wicked. Like, I got an email. I saw the song, the debut song, Getting Better, come across my desk, I'll say, and turned it on. Once I got to that chorus, I was I was in. Like, this is some good stuff. It's hyper pop, pop punk. It's got a bit of electronic in it. It's uh it's really, really cool. So if you like your pop punk, you like a bit of electronic, this project is for you. At the moment, it's only him, it's only Cody uh writing and recording the music. He's got plenty to come as well at the back end of this year, but had to get him on the podcast to have a chat. We spoke about how he's feeling ahead of the big release. We spoke about Down For Tomorrow, uh, what happened there. We briefly touched on that. We talk a little bit about TikTok, video content. Uh, obviously, if you're in a band these days, it's not just playing the instruments or singing the songs. It's uh, There's so much back end that happens when you're playing in a band. You've got to get your TikTok account up to speed. You've got to be doing stuff on Instagram. Uh, you've got to be posting a lot. And obviously, it's a big week for Cody. We talk about the weird way that he is celebrating the, <laughs> the release of his brand new project, Chaos Emerald. Let's get him on. This is Cody Stebbings. How are you, mate? I'm doing all right, honestly. Yeah, it's been um, a nice build up to this release. So I'm just, I'm riding the wave at the moment. Look, I know you've released music before, but you're the first person to come on this podcast and not have something out just yet. So this is actually really exciting. I can only imagine what this week feels like. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, honestly, because um, it's my first actual attempt as uh, releasing music as a solo artist, and that's actually really interesting that I'm the first person to come <laughs> on who hasn't put out anything yet. So I, I feel rather honoured, honestly. I've heard your stuff before. I've heard Down for Tomorrow. Uh, it was great stuff, and there's elements of that in this uh, in this project that you're doing now. But you've mixed a few genres with this one, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Look, I wanted to keep that angst that I. Um, I know that I can channel really well in my music. It's never really left me. So I always wanted to keep that. I just suppose that I owed it to myself to try a completely different genre of music. And hyperpop was something I was like getting into a lot in the middle of last year. And um, I've like, you know, had attempts at writing an ele- electronic music before and producing it on my own. And when this song came around, it it just felt right. 
it felt like the right thing at the right time for me to do. When did the the project first come into your into your brain? When did you first think this is what I'm doing? Yeah, it was like July last year, which is when I wrote this song. And um, I think it was when I was in the midst of like putting the fine tuning on it and putting format shifting on my vocals and, you know, making it, like pushing it into like that underscores realm. And I just listened back to the demo I'd written and I just thought, this is it. This is what I'm doing next. So I had attempts at like trying a whole Ben Folds thing or going like what, doing what Phineas does and like going like almost like punk rock on piano almost. So, I mean, I nearly, I nearly did that. But then um, the hyper pop world kind of reached out and was just like, hey, want to have a go at this before you start doing the piano stuff? So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a go. It sounds very cool. Um, <laughs> I, I, when you sent it through and I listened to the chorus, I was like, fuck yes, we have to, um, we have to get this on. I want to be one of the first to be talking about it. That's, that's how I felt. And, uh, I appreciate that. Obviously, when you start doing something like this and you, you had a band like, you know, Down for Tomorrow, you don't want them to sound the same. So were you sitting there trying to craft this sort of uh, sound for a little while or is it just sort of what just dropped out of you? Yeah, actually, there were about like, there was a number of songs that I wrote between um, Down For Tomorrow ending and this coming into fruition and it all just sounded like it was, yeah, I was just writing like DFT songs that would never be released. So there was a big bit of a crossover period and where I was still writing punk music before I started trying to, uh, put electronic music into it on top of it. You got a few songs ready to go, don't you? It's like, it's not just this single and then things are going to die off. You've got some in the works, uh, ready to go as well to follow up. Definitely. I've got at least two more for this year. That's for sure. And I'm going to be working with, um, with Nat Sherwood on a few singles for 2024 as well. So definitely not, not stopping. I can't just jump into something and then disappear. I need to have my shit together. So I will definitely have more stuff to go. The song Getting Better, it seems pretty deep. Some of the lyrics in there that I've heard, what is the song about? It's about a period in my life, yeah, around last year again, where I suddenly realized I just let half a year pass of my life without even trying to put in any effort to um, to get back into a state where I felt like I had value and purpose again. There, there was a, a long, um, it was a long few months where I just wasn't doing anything music related. And I just felt like I'm watching everyone I love and everyone who has uh, been on this journey with me just continue on without me and I haven't got anything to show for it. So yeah, that's the whole like angsty, sad undertone part of it. And I guess there are some like, you know, there's some optimism sprinkled in there where um, basically in the music elements, it's like I have to, you know, keep the, uh, the music side of things a bit bubbly and happy compared to how the lyrics sound because... Um, a lot of the times I do feel like I'm relying on other people to feel like I have a sense of value, like relying on external validation and other people's love, which um, it's taken me a long time to realize that that's something I can produce from within myself, that I can actually like love myself and not have to rely on other people for it. I'm still learning. It's still taking a long time for me to realize that that's actually how I should be going about it. But this song will serve as a constant reminder that at the end of the day, it's only me and I'm the only person who can truly be there for myself all the time. So I have to put in the work. You were just talking about like, you know, the downtime, like sort of, you feel like this happens with a lot of creative people. I think if you're not putting anything out, 
and you're sitting there and you haven't released anything for a little while, there's like this anxiety that just bubbles um, and, and creates. And if you see everyone else doing things and doing well, it can be quite an anxious time, can't it? If you're just sort of sitting there, and you haven't released anything. So I suppose this week is just going to be like the bubble bursting, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, no disrespect whatsoever to any of the people who I've spent the last few years of my life with. It's honestly been such a pleasure watching all of my close friends start bands or like, you know, release music and be doing the things that I wanted to do so badly, but fell out of love with. So I couldn't do. So it is nice feeling like, Hey, I'm, I'm re-entering the music scene again, or by all means, like I'm crawling my way back into it. But it's nice knowing that there are genuinely people out there who are keen for me to keep doing music, which took me by surprise a bit. I'm not sure why I'm so hard on myself there, but there are a lot of people who are keen to hear this song and to hear what I'm doing with Chaos Emerald. So I'm honestly so grateful that um, that people didn't forget about me. <laughs> that is another thing that artists worry about. You know, they think that if they haven't released something in a couple of months, then uh, everyone forgets. Yeah. In this current climate with the music industry, like if you're not putting stuff out every like month or two months, it does get to you a bit, hey, with how fast paced everything is now. That was me for a year not putting any music out for over a year and just feeling like like how like a, an item just depreciates in value and you know just sits there and it doesn't offer in as much as it as it used to and the new models are coming out I remember sitting here being like fuck I'm getting overtaken left right and center are you excited like it's been a year you haven't released anything for for quite some time what is the feeling it's um look there is definitely excitement in knowing that on Thursday, I'm technically going to be an artist again. The The Unearthed first play happened last night and I was still like feeling like this isn't real yet. Mm. But about 15 to 20 minutes after the song went to air, I just thought, oh, okay, it's it's really happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is all this build up and it's actually happening now because it's nice knowing that Chaos Emerald isn't just an idea in my head. It's now like it's out in the world. It's no longer my baby that I'm nursing yeah, and there's just yeah, I'm I am a little bit anxious about it because I know that there will probably be some crossover fans from from Down for Tomorrow who will listen to this and half of them will probably love it and half of them will be like what on earth is he doing? But the cool <laughs> part is I'll probably gain some new fans along the way too, people who have never heard of me before who are interested to hear this stuff and will then learn about the um where I've come from and what my background is with, you know, grunge punk music. With uh, Triple J just getting involved last night, it's sort of like that's the that's the gunfire, isn't it? You're out off the blocks now. I'm definitely out of the gates and running. <laughs> I'm I'm back in a public light in the only way that I could hope, which is yeah, Triple J unearthed jumping on board and being like, yeah, we'll, we're keen. And I just looked at the email being like, that's that's everything I could have asked for right there. Is that they still want to support me? That's so good. So good. Chaos Emerald, what's the band going to look like? Obviously, you're not going to be up there playing everything if a gig comes <laughs> along. <laughs> um, at the moment, I probably will keep everything on tracks because yeah. of yeah how the show is set up right now um, and how like a lot of hyperpop artists I've seen recently, such as Dane and um, Yen Strange, for example, they run their whole show through tracks. And I was looking at that and being like, yeah, you can still like compensate and put energy into your performance on stage and have that to start off with. So that's definitely the avenue I want to explore right now is having everything on tracks. 
And I did talk to some friends and musicians about this. Um, as I progress, like say a few months down the line, maybe leading into next year, it would be good to expand my live show. So I'm not just doing the same thing constantly. And then I will end up potentially having musicians on stage with me. You played all the instruments on the single? Yeah, I played all the instruments on the single. I mean, the drums are MIDI, so they're like programmed in, yep. but everything else, yeah, that was all me. I have a lot of respect for people that, that do it this way. It's uh, it's oh, quite it, it's quite impressive, you know. I suppose you also feel the pressure as well. If you don't have anyone just yet in the band uh, or in the project, that it's all on you. Like, it's all your decisions, isn't it? The bass yeah. is going to do this, the guitars are going to do this, but there's no one sort of sitting there saying, oh, why don't we go this way? Yeah, everything is all my decisions. It's um, nice knowing that I don't have to run anything by anyone. So it's like, oh, this is down to me. But also it's just like sometimes I don't know if I trust my judgment completely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm no longer going through obstacles and hurdles to get a product out. It's just like I make the decisions there and then and I decide whether I like it or not. And who produced? So this was a it was a dual effort. Lachlan Cronin, who used to be in yours truly, he... Um, he got the song off the ground for me. We um, we produced it together. And then my friend Josh Clark, who I went to uni with, he goes under the name Jakoto. He took it from there, added a few more tweaks onto it, refined it, mixed it, and then we got the final product from there. You're not just starting day one as a musician. You've been around the traps a little while. You just brought up yours truly. Obviously, you worked for Down for Tomorrow, but you've done a fair bit of work for not just your own bands but others. Yeah, um, way back, I'd say like five years ago, yours truly took me on my first two Australian tours and I was on the bass for them. I'll always, always cherish those times. I keep talking to Michaela about it and she keeps saying like they were some of the most fun nights of our lives, just being like 20, 21, going out on the road and just having our first interstate experiences. It was it was a really fun time. I don't think they've come back from leaving and heading out on the road. They've like been on the road forever. They're, <laughs> yeah, they just tour relentlessly and it's incredible to see. It's also incredible to see Henry um, jump on drums for them. I was so, so happy when he told me the news that he was going to be playing drums for them. And it, uh, I saw them play at Crowbar in January and like massive step up in his live game and how he plays. It was incredible. Down for tomorrow. Is the band, is it, is it over? At this stage, it's... It's um, it's hard to say it publicly, but yeah, at the moment it's done. Um, we've all just moved on. I kind of made the call harshly last year when uh, things got a bit too much for me and there were some internal struggles that we were all dealing with and I just made the call being like, I need to stop, otherwise I'm going to explode. Yeah. Um, but it's amicable now. We had a few months to sit on it and then Henry and I, We've made up for it. We all, um, we're all cool. Sarah is probably like, Sarah's one of my best friends and I'm so um, stoked that she's doing music with A Swift Farewell and seeing everything that they've done, seeing like Rio from A Swift Farewell go from a guitarist to a vocalist and now he's their front man. That's <laughs> so special to see and to watch. Seeing Henry go and play drums for yours truly, I I'm so happy that he's doing that and he's still playing drums because that's what he wanted to do. And um, Henry, Sarah and I actually had a little reunion moment late last year when we played as Penny Parker's backing band. Uh, so the three of us just by the stars aligning ended up on stage together again, but like not 
for Down for Tomorrow, it was we were playing for Penny Parker. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. That was a lot of fun. Somewhat of a reunion. Hey, it has to happen sometimes, doesn't it? Bands have to break up. Yeah, it does have to happen. I think at that point in our lives, we were in denial about we we're in denial about it. But so far from what I've seen, I feel like we've mostly benefited from it. I don't know how much detail I can go in onto that one, but I can tell that all of us have been in a better place since the breakup. And, and that's what I've heard from other bands that have had to do it, especially with things like mental health. It's the most important thing. Got to get that in check. Well, I always, I always uh, went by the mantra of like friends first, band second. Yep, that's good. And when it was at a point where we couldn't even be friends, how the fuck can we even be in a band? Mm. And I now can confidently say that we're much better friends. Like I think we're like a lot more respective of each other. Like we're respectful of each other and understanding of our friendships and where we are now since then. Oh, that's good. Well, hat off to you for that. It's a difficult thing. A lot of people that would be listening to this podcast would have, you know, had to break up from their bands for, for whatever yeah. reason it is, you know. Um, and well, uh, Some people listening are going to get that news in real time, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, okay. You heard it here first on the Street Press podcast. <laughs> <laughs> good. A nice little exclusive, whether it's uh, dark or not. Um, hey, when do you reckon you'll start gigging this project? I'm hoping very soon. I've got some pencil dates in around June or July. It's just a matter of actually making it happen. So I'm hoping to get off the ground very soon with Chaos Emerald. And I've been talking to other artists and bookers and promoters to put me on shows towards like the second half of the year as well. I should really get a live set happening. I should really actually like put it all together and start practicing it because I do, I miss playing shows a lot now. I think I remember talking to Henry midway through last year and being like, I have no intention to do this anytime soon. But now I'm at the stage where it's like, I want to play shows again. I'm watching all my friends play shows and they're having the times of their lives. Gigging is back. Touring is back. And I just like, I love watching from the front row as my friends completely kill it on stage. But I'm also sitting there being like, Mm -hmm. I want to be on that stage and I want to be doing this. It is hard to be a spectator, isn't it? <laughs> when you're oh, a music, very much so. you know, when you live and breathe it, standing there and watching your friends play, it's cool and you love it. You know, you might go and get a t-shirt afterwards and have a couple of beers with them, but the whole time you're at a gig like that, you're like, when am I going to get back up there and do it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have enjoyed being like the supportive friend for so long and I was talking to my partner Gabs about it recently being like I'm going from supportive friend back to being a competitor again. But I mean, like, if we're looking at it in that light, I don't mean to say like, oh, like it's always a competition, but it's more just like I'm entering the playing field now, no longer a sub. It's always good to have healthy competition with your friends, especially when they're so talented. Always. I think we all get the best out of each other. Um, I'm just so stoked that like my best friend group right now consists of a Swift Farewell, Bellwether, Quarterform and Penny Parker, like (laughs) four up and coming acts who are all, you know, doing so well, releasing music, and we're all pushing each other to be better and better. Yeah, you're in good company. I definitely feel like it. It's really (laughs) nice to know that we're all, you know, one big supportive scene up here in Sydney. Yeah. How do you feel the scene's going at the moment? We're obviously at the back end of the pandemic. Is it growing? Is it getting better? Uh, If we're talking about like what the scene was like five years ago, I think like there's only, I I could probably count the number of active bands on one hand 
I think the scene from 2018 is like petered out, whereas like there's an entire new generation of bands coming through now who are like picking up the pieces from where we left off. And I think that's really good. I think it's great that bands are still forming and starting and people are still writing great music. And yes, I think the scene is definitely, it's having a bit of a renaissance and people are coming back and enjoying music again and bands are getting, literally by, by the pun, bands are getting better. So yeah. it's nice to see that. And how do you celebrate a day where a new project is born? What's going to happen on Thursday? Is it is it getting trashed? Is it um, <laughs> is it just hanging hanging at home quietly and just uh, looking at the Spotify streams? Like how how are you doing it? I'm probably going to move house. Honestly, <laughs> that's a uh, yeah. I'm moving on Friday, so oh, I'll probably shit. finish off um everything that I've got at the house and get it, the rest of it into boxes, and then probably get myself a nice early night and start moving everything over to the new place on Friday. So uh, that's how I'll be celebrating. Song will be out. I'll do my little due diligence of making sure everyone hears it. And then it will be, all right, we're on to the next thing. We just keep going. Probably make a few TikToks and promo videos and uh, yeah, celebrate with some friends and then be a sophisticated adult over the weekend. Now that you're doing this on your own, how do you go with socials and posting and all that sort of stuff? It's a job in itself, isn't it? Yeah, but again, it's um, it's nice knowing that I have full creative control over the socials and what's get posted, like what gets posted mm-hmm. and what gets culled. It's basically just yeah, running two different accounts for my different personalities. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what I'm doing. So yeah, I'm mainly trying to zone in on TikTok content, uh, which is difficult, but it's rewarding. And it's also like you can get away with a lot more on TikTok than than you can on Instagram. And I barely post on Facebook anymore, honestly. But um, yeah, TikTok's fun. I get to experiment with different trending sounds. I get to try different um, avenues to promote my music. It's nice to explore the TikTok realm for music and also like discover new artists and discover new ideas and get tips and advice. You know, it's actually like quite kind of informative being on TikTok recently as addictive as it can be. It's rather informative. I, I know that TikTok's the way to go. I know that that's, that's the way to do it, but uh, it's like, I'm scared of it. I just don't it's know. It's a what, slippery you know. slope. Once you start, you can't go back. Yeah, but maybe that's a good thing. I mean, there's I know a lot of um, guys in bands, guys and girls in bands, and they go the Instagram route. It's some are in the TikTok game, and like the people that are in the TikTok game, they're like, this is the place to be for music. I mean, at the moment, definitely. I mean, I've watched some of my close friends in bands post. Like, I'd say the ratio would be like for every one Instagram post they do, there's like five or six TikTok posts. It's like you can get away with so much more. It's like TikTok rewards quantity. Whereas Instagram rewards quality. I guess that's how I see it. And so you can experiment with quantity on TikTok and you don't have to worry so much about such a polished product because no viewer on TikTok is going to see the same video twice and like vice versa. Like you might put out four videos. No viewer is going to see all those four videos. Someone's going to see one of them. Another person's going to see another one of them. At least that's what I've learned. And whereas Instagram, it's like you get one thing and most likely all your followers are just going to see it straight off the bat. Instagram is more of a place where, yeah, your content has to be a lot more refined, whereas TikTok is that you can experiment with almost anything and it's it's honestly quite liberating and, and freeing what I've been able to do on TikTok lately. Yeah, I think... I think I've got to... I've got to move over. I've got to... <laughs> I'd recommend to... it. Do it. I suppose the other thing is it can be creatively draining 
maybe I'm just coming up with excuses, but you know, sometimes just coming up with a different TikTok every day. And I know you were saying like, you know, some people will post five a day. That's sort of, uh, that's overkill. Like I think the most I've posted in a day is like three, yeah. but, um, I remember hearing the advice being like, you should be posting four or five times a day. And I'm just like, do you do anything with your life other than post TikToks? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I know every time I hear that, or I see that I'm like, yeah, but I've got a job. I mean, yeah, unless, of course, you film in bulk on a weekend, mm. or say, like, say you spend an entire Saturday filming a month's worth of content, and then you spend the entire Sunday editing it all together, and then you just streamline all that content mm. for, the, for the week or for the month, and you just schedule posts and all of that. I think that's the only way I can imagine people actually doing that, is filming in bulk. Because I don't know a single person who is, like, sitting around and like improvising these TikToks five times a day. Yeah. Oh, it's madness. It's mad seeing how much, um, how much content some people can create. And I'm just like, surely they're on the doll. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are some accounts that I go to follow and I'm just like, fuck, they pump out content. And I go and check their profile and I scroll and I scroll and I scroll. And it's just like, Oh, that's, that's like, there's like 28 videos and this is all from this week. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, that's wild. Cody, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast, man. This new, I'm so, so keen for this, this to be out in the world for people to see it. I want to play a little bit of it on the, on the, at the back end of this podcast so that people can get the gist of it. But Chaos Emerald, it's coming out this week. It sounds fucking cool. It's hard for me to describe what it sounds like, which is a good thing. Man, I'm so grateful that you've had me on the podcast. It's nice to do this stuff again, to, to be interviewed, to put out music, to to celebrate all of this. I'm so glad that you like it. It's always a gamble, like when I try something so different and knowing that you like it so much, it's like, all right, that's really comforting. <laughs> like if I can win you over, I'm sure I can win a few more people over. So that's exciting. There he is, Cody Stebbings, creator of the project Chaos Emerald. Hyper pop, punk, electronic, whatever you want to call it, it's dropping this week. Here is a little taste of the debut single, Getting Better. There it is, the chorus that pumps. Check it out, Chaos Emerald. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, this is the part of the show where you can write on in. It's called Letters. Go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. You write it, I read it. Uh, The link is also just in the show notes, so you can just press that if you want to write me a letter. Uh, This one is from Brenton Leggett. He's a good friend and a lover of the Ritzy Kids, so we absolutely love Brenton. He says, I very much enjoyed the podcast with the great man Mitch Clues. Good to hear what he's been up to and love the industry secrets that he dropped. So Mitch Clues, one of my best mates, he jumped on the uh, on the podcast last week. It was actually really good. It was received quite well uh, from you know a lot of friends, a lot of family, um, and obviously the listeners of the Street Press podcast as well. It was uh, it was really cool um, to have Mitch on. And Brenton also goes on to say, he says, "I'd love to hear about the Green Spoon early days. Can you get Phil Jemison on?" Um, I want to hear about their appearances on Recovery, recording Evie with a supergroup, the Rights. Now. Brenton, I've just got to be, I've got to be up front. I've tried Phil twice now. 
Um, I tried Phil about a year ago or maybe when I was getting this podcast together and, uh, and a friend of mine's actually is very good friends with Phil and he went and had dinner with him the other night and while he was with Phil, he sent me a text. He says, I'm going to try and get Phil on your podcast. Um, Phil doesn't like doing podcasts. That's what I've heard. You know, you get people like that. I've had a million responses like that, that, uh, you know, happy for an interview to go in a magazine or they're happy for an interview to be on YouTube, but not everyone's into podcasts. Phil might come on one day, but uh, at the moment, I think he's pretty happy uh, up there on the mid-north coast and, um, and and keep it away from the spotlight at the moment. So I have tried Phil Jemison. Don't forget, on the Street Press website, you can also request artists like Brenton just did then, and uh, I do chase them down, sometimes with great luck, sometimes no response at all. If you want to support this podcast, you can click the show notes uh, and become a member. Uh, For $4 a month, you can get uh, merch discounts. You go in the draw to win some exclusive prizes, and you also get access to the members area. In the members area, you can write questions to upcoming guests. You can also see in the drop-down on the members page uh, what guests I've got coming up. It's sort of a spoiler, but yeah, you can do that all through the members page. That's if you want to support it. Don't forget the podcast will always be free. And that will do for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, another episode. I'll catch you here same time next week. Ta-da. <laughs>